You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rique, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore, the publisher of the Bark Board. And Jackson, here we are, game game week for the Bulldogs opening the season for them. And uh, you're just done with, with fall camp. How do you feel going into this uh, first game of the season? Yeah, Lucio, it's finally here. It's feeling more like football right now. Uh, it's been kind of a weird week, you know. Usually, it's a pretty good routine for the season, but uh, this week, because of the Thursday game, I was out at practice on Sunday morning. That was a weird, <laughs> weird feeling to be out there. It didn't quite feel right. And on Monday too, as well, um, we got the access to the team today. And Saturday, Coach Tedford had his press conference, and in fact, he made it earlier than usual because he wanted to watch football. Uh, at least he, that's what he said. Uh, he said it with a laugh. I don't know if it was serious or not, but uh, it sounded like he wanted to watch some of those week zero games. So uh, uh, we got up early Saturday morning for that press conference. And yeah, it's here. Uh, there's still cranes and boom trucks around Valley Children's Stadium, putting those new signs up and everything, getting ready for Thursday. And uh, yeah, it's just feeling like we're there. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely creeped up on me. I I I was just sitting here the other day, going, "Oh crap, there, there's a game next week," <laughs> and and it's midweek, so it's going to be a short week for us. So that's uh, that's something to to look forward to because uh, I, you know, I've been going through some football withdrawals, and uh, I'm ready to kind of get this one going. And of course, at Tedford changing his uh, press press conference time just so he can watch college football. Can you blame him, Jackson? I mean. Come on, we're we're getting the season started. He wants to watch. Uh, he wants to watch what the competition's doing too, right? Yeah, not at all. And I know I was excited. It was only a few games for Week Zero, but I watched as much of them as I could. I was starving for some college football, and it was pretty neat that uh, five Mountain West schools were in action. So I got to uh, figure out a little bit about some of Fresno State's opponents down the road. And a uh, funny thing Coach Tedford mentioned uh, leaving practice the other day was that he was he was watching the, the little things, the the uh, little errors and things on the sideline. Uh, I think he was watching college football in a different way than, than you or me probably did on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, he, he looks at the X's and O's. We look at it from pure uh, standpoint of uh, – just entertainment. <laughs> so he, he was he was really dissecting that. And, and so Jackson, here's my question to you: After watching some of those Mountain West Conference teams, what's your overall impression uh, after watching them this weekend? Yeah, it was a bit of a, a mixed bag. You know, we've kind of assumed that Hawaii and Wyoming were two teams that were really going to struggle this season. You know, Hawaii went through just a really ugly offseason. They came out of it with a, a really good story with Timmy Chang being hired. Um, but it got ugly trying to get Todd Graham out of there. And uh, basically all their star players hit the road, hit the portal, and a lot of them ended up at Power 5 schools. So um, they were only 9-point underdogs to Vanderbilt. They lost 63-10. to 10. was not pretty. Um, they showed a little bit of signs early on. It didn't get ugly till the second half, but um, you kind of figure they're going to struggle this season. Wyoming, similarly, did not have a coaching change, but, man, did they lose most of their players, too, to Power 5 schools with the new portal era and some 
unhappy Cowboys over there last season that wanted to leave. Um, they got beat at Illinois 38-6. to That one wasn't pretty. Uh, Nevada's kind of in the same boat with the coaching change. Uh, Jay Norvell went to Colorado State, took uh, about 15 players and commits with him that were going to be Wolfpack players that had he not left. Uh, they won, but they beat New Mexico State. And it was 23-12. to I, I don't know if you can put a whole lot of stock in that. It was on the road, I guess. At least. So, I mean, give them credit. They want to know, but uh, I don't think I'm too worried about the Wolfpack as far as Fresno State's concerned right now. Um, a little more in the positive side of things, though, uh, as far as teams being better. Uh, UNLV, they took on Idaho State. They won 52-21. to It's not a huge deal, but, I mean, the Rebels, they, they don't usually win these FCS games <laughs> in this fashion. Uh, they've even lost one or two in, in recent years. And we knew last year they were right on the cusp. So um, for them to... They went out to a 45-7 lead at halftime. It looks like they're a little more legit this year. And the really interesting one was Utah State, who played UConn. Uh, the Bulldogs don't play Utah State in the regular season, but they are going to play UConn again. And that one was a bit of a battle. Uh, Utah State still won, but it was 31-20. to uh, The Huskies looked a little more competent. So they've got a new head coach, some new quarterbacks in there. Uh, that one might be uh, not quite as easy as it was last year going to UConn than it was when they opened up the 2021 season here last season. Yeah, so it's uh, it's kind of a little bit of a mixed bag and uh, kind of uh, kind of interesting to see how the Mountain West is going to fare this season. Um, you know, the Bulldogs are heavily favored uh, to really uh, make a run at the the championship this season. So uh, only. We'll have to wait and see what the how these teams start to kind of shake out a little bit because it was a little bit a little bit confusing looking at some of these teams last year. Uh, some of them were really close, um, and uh, it was uh, you know kind of like leading back to you mentioned UNLV and their their team last year almost beat the Bulldogs and they kept it kept going and they were in it uh, almost every single every single game. Was it UNLV or was it Nevada? I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, am I getting confused between the two? No, yeah, UNLV. I mean, it seemed like every week they were losing by a score. Yeah. I mean, right on the edge of beating a couple of teams, a couple of upsets, and uh, they finished 2-10. and 10. They, they got a couple of wins against Hawaii and New Mexico, but every week was a battle. As you mentioned, Fresno State, they lost to San Diego State by 8, San Jose State by 7, Utah State by 4. I mean, uh, they... They got off to an ugly start, but after that Fresno State game, they were competitive just about every week. Yeah, UNLV seemed to be a lot better than their record was last year, so I'm kind of interesting to see just how far uh, UNLV will go this season um, in in the Mountain West. So we'll we'll touch upon the week one of the Mountain West coverage uh, towards the end of the podcast. Right now, we're going to go ahead and start jumping into uh, some Bulldog news. And of course, uh, the first thing you mentioned was this past Saturday, Coach uh, Coach Tedford and and uh, Hayner were in attendance for some interviews uh, and uh, Jackson what was your overall takeaway from what you got from those uh, interviews this past weekend yeah yeah so we got our, our weekly press conference uh, we're gonna well, last season we got coach DeBoer and the two coordinators this year we're gonna get Tedford and Hayner every week and uh, usually that's on Monday but because of the, the week that's uh, resulting in a Thursday game they started it off on Saturday and 
you know, we've got a lot of neat sound bites from, from Coach Tedford, just about, you know, getting ready for his first game back at Fresno State, talking about how appreciative he is of being back here and, and just getting the chance to coach again after he thought he might be retired there for a while. Um, you know, he had been wanting to come back more recently and felt up to it physically and health-wise. And uh, the fact that Fresno State opened up was just a, a dream come true right there. So, um, you know, very positive from him. You know, he's been locked in, uh, covered some of the items on the depth chart we learned, um, which we'll go over here in a little bit. But, yeah, not, I mean, not, not a whole lot of, uh, of, insights in the Cal Poly that early on from, from coach Tedford more about just what him and the team kind of the atmosphere going into the opener and um, some of the decisions that have been made on the depth chart that we learned and, and followed up on. And then uh, Jake Hayner as well got to hear a bit about his preseason and, and how he's getting ready for, for game one. And um, you know, we all expect big things from, from Jake, but he's done some different things this off season. He's been more focused on, uh, taking care of his body and doing some extra things on, on that aspect and um, just working with Coach Tedford and Coach Kirby Moore is a little bit different. There's going to be a little different flair to the offense, but uh, nothing quite overwhelming. I think we'll still see a lot of the same from Hayner that we saw last season, just hopefully cut down a little bit on a couple games where he had turnovers and hopefully he'll have a little more time back there too to where he won't be forced into some of those tough spots. Yeah, it's uh, going to be fun to watch to see how, how it, it comes about this season. Um, but, uh, you know, Tedford, Tedford was, uh, it, it seemed like he, he was getting ready for this upcoming game, but he did make an announcement uh, of a particular player that really uh, hurts the Bulldogs as far as uh, on defense. And uh, what more can you tell us about that, Jackson? Yeah, um, the the microphone got to me on Saturday, and one of the I mostly wanted to ask him about some of the depth chart decisions, and was one name that just didn't uh, wasn't listed that caught me off guard was Justin Houston, who has been the Bulldogs' starting nickelback um, ever since he got here as a true freshman in 2020. Started half of the games there in the, the weird COVID season, and last year started just about every game at nickelback. And the Bulldogs have a new defensive coordinator, almost an entirely new defensive staff, um, but they're still going to utilize that position. It's not called the Husky anymore. Uh, it's just a nickelback, a traditional name. Um, we're still going to see exactly what the scheme is going to look like and how they're going to use it, but um, they're still using that nickel position. But Houston was not listed on the depth chart. Coach Tedford replied that, uh, Houston has been deemed ineligible for half the season is the phrase he used. I'm assuming that's going to mean <laughs> the first six games and then he'll be eligible to return after that. So, I mean, that's a pretty tough blow to lose one of your returning, returning starters, uh, a really unique athlete, just as tall and as long as he is where, you know, he's not really playing linebacker. Um, he's doing a lot of coverage stuff in the secondary and he's athletic enough to do it all with, being as tall and as long as he is. Um, so that's going to be a bummer, especially considering who is on Fresno State's schedule in those first six games at uh, Oregon State, at USC, at Boise State. You know, you want to be as at full strength as possible for those games. And the good news is uh, it doesn't look like there's much in terms of injuries to the Bulldogs. They didn't have any catastrophic situations in fall camp. Uh, maybe not even some, some dings in terms of going into this first game, but 
they are going to be without Houston, and uh, that's a tough one for the defense. Yeah, and before anybody asks, we do not know what that means. <laughs> He's been deemed ineligible. Don't know what the specifics are, and we're going to leave it at that, right, Jackson? Yeah, you know, you're, they're not going to typically say what occurred there, um, but you always kind of pay attention to the phrasing that's used. And um, just Coach Tedford said he was deemed ineligible, not very specific. Didn't say he broke any team rules or anything. Anything. I mean, that's a phrase we often hear if it's uh, within the program. Uh, but that was not what Tedford said. He just said he's been deemed ineligible, whatever that means, for six games, and then he'll be back. Yeah, and that that could mean a multi- multitude of things, and we're not going to go ahead and speculate as to what it is. Uh, but you, you also had a chance to kind of uh, talk to to Hayner, and what was your overall feel? Uh, you know, of listening to him, and and do you think he's he's ready for this? Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest storyline for him in the passing game is some shifting of the personnel and offense. You've got five receivers back, but it's a little bit different this year. Jalen Cropper has gone from the slot to the outside. That was uh, something we learned on day one of spring ball, and we've been tracking that on the, the VIP side. Um, so we're going to be curious to see how he fits in there and how that changes the offense. And then you've got Cal transfer Nico Remigio in at slot receiver. Uh, so that's going to bring a different dimension to the offense as well. So uh, personnel-wise, not I mean, it's almost exactly the same cast of guys in the passing game, but um, it is going to look quite a bit different, and uh, Hainer's excited about that. Uh, also, just kind of looking towards Cal Poly, he mentioned that um, they have changed quite a bit over the course of the last season. Of course, two teams played early September. Uh, they've looked a, a lot different over the course of that season and then off season now leading up to 2022. So, um, I mean, I'm sure they're expecting to put a lot of points on the board, uh, but they're going to get a little different look from the Mustangs this time around. It sounds. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, I am ready for this season. Uh, however, you have before we start jumping into the Cal Poly preview, um, there were some key announcements made on depth chart positions, right, Jackson? So why don't we go ahead and touch upon some of those uh, so that we can kind of get a, a better understanding of where the Bulldogs stand. Uh, in the depth chart wise. Yeah. So Logan Fife was awarded the backup quarterback position. Uh, that was one of the big battles. Him and Jalen Henderson have been going at it all fall camp and the Bulldogs brought in some other players too. Um, Matt Robinson transferred from Illinois. I uh, had a little more experience than some of those guys thought he might uh, push for that job. Um, Joshua Wood, even the true freshman was very highly regarded coming in and had a pretty good camp too. Uh, and then Alec Trujillo as well has gotten a shot, but was mostly between Fife and Henderson still after all of that uh, was between them all season long last year. And the Bulldogs are going to go ahead and, and go with Fife as the backup going into the season opener. And we'll see. It sounds like it's still kind of in flux, but um, last year, you know, you had Henderson who had only been on campus for, or only been practicing for a month before the last year's season opener when the Fife went in. And then Henderson got the job almost the rest of the way. This time around, they've had basically all of spring, all of fall camp, equal footing to compete, and Fife's come out ahead. So it looks like Bulldogs are, are really leaning that way. Uh, another one at running back, the backup Malik Sherrod was named. Um, that really became clear 
over the course of fall camp. He's had a really good camp, and he's going to be the next guy in after Jordan Mims there. Um, on the offensive line, they do have Dante Bull as a starter, which is not a surprise. I mean, he's a preseason all-conference player, but he was hurt all offseason, missed a lot of fall camp. Not exactly sure if he's going to be quite 100% or you know, back in the game shape for the season opener. So it uh, looks like, at least according to the depth chart, that he's ready or they're intending for him to, to go in week one. Uh, and Osmar Velez at left guard. He's a former walk-on. He got a scholarship this offseason. Uh, he's going to be starting out at left guard, according to the depth chart. It looks like that one's still kind of up for grabs, still some competition. But uh, day one, Velez is going to get that starting opportunity. And then on the defensive line, uh, the big one there is Gabriel Lightfoot, a true freshman. Uh, we talked about him just on the last podcast about him being really the standout on the defense in terms of newcomers, but uh, he's not only on the depth chart, he's starting according to this. So uh, you got Leonard Payne, Isaiah Johnson, David Perales, a lot of vets on the D line. And then the true freshman Lightfoot is right there, ready to contribute as well uh, for his very first college game. Also props to Charles Rimlinger, the, the two sport athlete on Fresno State's team a thrower for the track and field squad. Uh, he was awarded a second team defensive end spot despite uh, some transfers and other players that have come in uh, over the off season that were uh, gunning for that job. Um, at linebacker, uh, there's been a battle all off season with Raymond Scott, the newcomer from USC and Malachi Langley, a returner that's been here at Fresno state for a few years now. Uh, Scott got the first team spot on the, the depth chart. Uh, another battle at safety that I was going to catch a lot of people by surprise is LJ early getting the nod over Elijah Gates, who started most of last season as a transfer from UCLA. Uh, the Bulldogs are putting in LJ early as the starter going into this season. He's had a really good camp and you know, coming off of the COVID year and some bad injuries, it looks like he has reached a level that uh, the president of state thought he had in them all along that hasn't been there quite yet. And lastly, uh, Nickelback to address Justin Houston's absence. You know, Houston pretty much split time with Amari Pate last year in that Husky position. Uh, but the depth chart reads Pate still as a second teamer and starting is instead going to be Maurice Norris. Uh, he is a defensive back who walked on to Fresno State last year out of junior college. He's originally out of nearby Sanger High School. And he has just absolutely impressed over this entire offseason. Uh, they awarded him a scholarship in the summer, moved him to Nickelback, and uh, he's going to get the start uh, game one, his very first college D1 game. So we're going to see uh, just exactly what he's made out of in his debut at Valley Children's Stadium. Yeah, what a way to get thrown into the fire right right away, <laughs> game one. Uh, but he, it sounds like he has earned the confidence and the respect of the coaches in order to uh, to basically leapfrog his way into that into that starting role uh, in Houston's absence. Uh, one has to wonder, uh, you know, if he if he does tremendous in those six games, what's it going to be f- uh, like when Houston gets back? <laughs> That's going to be yeah. Uh, you know, that was something that was rolling around in my head earlier today, thinking about how. The Bulldogs are going to have six games. You know, if everything goes well, they're going to have eight more after Houston comes back. But theoretically, I mean, if you could save Houston and sit him out for four out of those eight, you could redshirt him and get a whole other year back down the road. 
the COVID season didn't count towards his eligibility, so he still has a redshirt year to use. And, um, you know, the Bulldogs, frankly, have some easy games in the back half of the schedule when they play teams like Hawaii and Wyoming and uh, Nevada. So there might be, (laughs) if they feel confident enough, they might be able to sit them out a couple more games, save them for the big ones, and uh, get a whole other year back down the road at the end of his uh, eligibility. Now, I wonder, Jackson, so if they can play four games, does that include a championship and a bowl game? Yeah, it sure does. Um, there you go. They, they've been toying with that a little bit, and uh, we've seen, uh, I believe, the Vegas Bowl in 18, and now the New Mexico Co Bowl this past year. You know, some of those guys that had an extra season that had really impressed over the course of the year, uh, they got to play a few snaps or contribute on special teams since they kind of got a free game. Um, but this is one of those rare cases where uh, you might want to toy around and maybe see if you can uh, get past uh, with one of your star players and, and put them in the biggest games of the year potentially at the end of the season and not have it count against his uh, eligibility. Oh, decisions, decisions that the Bulldogs <laughs> will have. <laughs> uh, the, I guess that's a good uh, a good problem to have if if uh, uh, you know things roll out that that things do work out while he's gone. Uh, then the Bulldogs were going to be in a in a really a good spot to be trying to decide what to do with Houston, uh, who they could potentially redshirt and gain another year out of him uh, would would be tremendous for the Bulldogs, uh, to tell you the truth. But that being said, Jackson, it's that time of the podcast where we start heading into game one coverage of the season where uh, Fresno State Bulldogs take on Cal Poly. Um, I believe it's Mustangs, right, Jackson? Cal Poly Mustangs? Yep. And <laughs> so it is, It is you know, a Division Two team, but it is what it is. The Bulldogs get to, to start off the season, and they should not take them lightly because from what I hear, this Cal Poly team – um, is a lot better than they were last season, where the Bulldogs really uh, took it to them. Um, but your your thoughts initially when you see Cal Poly on paper? Yeah, an odd situation where uh, they're coming back to Fresno for two years in a row. Um, obviously, that that doesn't happen very often with any opponent. Um, but based off of some complications in the schedule, they made it work. They put them on the twenty two and the 2021 schedules. Uh, So they're back. And last year was about perfect timing to to face Cal Poly because they didn't get a 2020 season with COVID. They had a new coach. They were totally transitioning offenses. Um, Just a total overhaul. And the Bulldogs got them early. Uh, It was not a good team to begin with. And uh, it was definitely at a, a tough spot in early September. Um, you know, they, they they didn't get a whole lot better for them throughout the course of the season. They picked up a win against Idaho State. But you just figure, year two with that group, uh, most of the same players are back. Um, they've done switch up a little bit as far as coaching and, and play calling and things. But um, the team is going to be a little more in sync this time around. But not enough to make up a 63-10 to 10 type of difference <laughs> that the two teams had last year. I mean, so... If uh, if the score is closer than last year, uh, don't take it as a negative against Fresno State by any means. And if the score is, is even more lopsided, then big kudos to Coach Tedford because 
the distance of improvement for Cal Poly to get better this year is much greater than the small margin Fresno State's trying to improve by. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, Cal Poly, from what I've heard, uh, you know, have made some strides um, offensively and and putting together a team. Uh, you know, they're going to come out firing with an air raid, Jackson. So I, uh, that's going to be kind of interesting to see already week one, um, a team that's going to be coming out passing heavily. Uh, something good for the Bulldogs to kind of get ready for uh, some of those teams that are in the Mountain West who like to pass a lot. So maybe that will be a good little uh, start-off game. So why don't we go ahead and just get the ball rolling here. Um, Let's compare Fresno State's offense against Cal Poly's defense. And, uh, well, let's just just say it. Uh, It looks... To me, it looks like a little bit of lopsided when you when you look at it on paper. Fresno State is just loaded on offense. Does Cal Poly have enough on defense to kind of slow down this uh, Fresno State offense? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a tough one for the Mustang. Um, <laughs> got the depth chart in front of me here. Interesting stat. Cal Poly is going to start four sophomores in the secondary uh, out of the five positions. <laughs> You've got one senior out there. Um, so, I mean, this is just, uh, you got to be licking your chops. If you're Fresno State's uh, five senior receivers that are uh, a couple of NFL guys mixed in there, and, and the one guy that's not a senior is Josh Kelly, who has uh, probably uh, got a future making some big bucks in football as well, uh, a little later than some of the others. But, yeah, uh, that's quite a matchup for Fresno State. Um, you know, you always kind of wonder with the transfer portal situation, Maybe Cal Poly is going to show up. They got some FBS guys that were looking for playing time at the FCS level, some older guys. That's what Fresno State's got. They've got quite a few Power 5 guys that wanted to play a little more and have been instant additions to Fresno State. But it doesn't look like there's a lot of that on this Cal Poly defense. It's a lot of young defensive backs that are maturing and are kind of learning on the fly. And uh, it's going to be, I think, a tough, <laughs> tough lesson for them against the type of receivers that Fresno State has. But um, one thing to point out with this defense, though, is that there is a redshirt freshman who's going to start at linebacker, Jacob Jones. He's out of Central High School. Man, I I was really impressed by him as a recruit. I really wish uh, a Mountain West school would have pulled the trigger with an offer because I think he was definitely at that level. Uh, Really excelled at Central High School. Looked like a college player already his senior year, and he has translated very well for the Mustangs. He's going to start right off the bat this season. Um, otherwise, uh, they've got one uh, jumbo tackle at six foot two, 320 pounds, but besides him, Bulldogs should also have a pretty good advantage in the trenches as well. Um, a lot of sub-270 tackles, and um, they've got a kind of a speedy, smaller end in Elijah Ponder, who's 6'3", 200. And in that group, too, a lot of underclassmen are playing. So this is a young defense um, that is probably not going to match up well with the Bulldogs, frankly. No, I don't see it going. Uh, I don't see it going very well for this uh, Cal Poly defense. Um, the only thing they can do is hopefully slow down the Bulldogs enough to where the Bulldogs make mistakes on their own. Uh, that has got to be the only way that the, the, the Cal Poly defense is uh, – 
is really hoping for uh, is, you know, Bulldogs making mistakes and actually shoot themselves in the foot, which we have seen happen in the past, but I am knocking on wood because I'm not going to jinx the Bulldogs here uh, on this uh, on this upcoming game. Um, but moving on, now we flip the coin and now we have um, Fresno State's defense matching up against Cal Poly's uh, offense. And as I mentioned before, Cal Poly's coming out with an air raid. And how do you see this one stacking up on paper? Yeah, that, that's one spot where they do have uh, some key talented players. Uh, the quarterback, the same one Fresno State saw last year, not a fantastic game for him. But he is Spencer Brash. He was at Cal, uh, not Cal Poly, Cal Berkeley, <laughs> the Golden Bears in the Pac-12. Uh, he was like a four-star recruit, uh, joined Cal, decided to go find somewhere else pretty early on that he would play. And he got to Cal Poly and became their starter right away. So, um, I mean, a little more talented than your average Big Sky quarterback is probably going to be. But, again, had a tough go last time. But his top receiver is going to be Chris Coleman, who, of course, started here at Fresno State or was you know, kind of on the verge there in 2019. Had some huge plays against USC that uh, are going to be, even though he's not going to finish his career as a Bulldog, they're going to be ones that are, are going to be big memories for, for Fresno State. That was uh, quite a performance there. And um, he really excelled for Cal Poly last season, scored their only touchdown against Fresno State in that particular matchup. And he is also a team captain this season. So I'm uh, not surprised at all. Just a big log jam of receivers for Fresno State. Uh, that he would look elsewhere, and he's the guy at Cal Poly, so I can't blame him for that. But in terms of in the trenches, um, not a huge O-line for Cal Poly. Uh, they've only got one starter that's over 300 pounds. They've got a 260 sophomore tackle in Austin Anderson. Um, the guards are a little bit on the smaller side, 6'2", 280, 6'4", 285. Um, so it shouldn't be anything crazy for the D-line, which – is going to be breaking in quite a few players for the Bulldogs. They've got about three veterans or so in there, and the rest of the defensive line that probably see about eight guys in and out in the, the heat of the game. They're going to be able to, to break in a little bit against the smaller O-line by the Mustangs. Yeah, this is going to be – it's going to be interesting to see just how the the bull the these two teams match up offensive and defensively. I, I'm, I'm thinking – that uh, a lot of the second and third teamers for for the Bulldogs are going to get some opportunity to play in this game. Am I wrong, Jackson? Uh, but I think this is going to be a good one of those good games for uh, some of these players to get in and, and get some experience. Yeah, I do think so. I think um, it's hard to see it going any other way. Um, I do think you know Fresno State has put in a lot of resources this offseason into improving the O-line and improving the running game, and they're going to want to test that out on Thursday. Um, you know, even the past Tedford teams that have been really, really good were not like Fresno State's team last year. They weren't slinging the ball over the place. They, you know, Marcus McMarion was great at quarterback, but he wasn't throwing for 4,000 yards. He didn't have to because they had a nice balanced offense and they had an impressive defense. So uh, I'm not convinced they're going to just have Hayner throw a bunch of big touchdowns and get out of there real quick. Um, but at the same time, that strategy still beat the pants off of Incarnate Word in Idaho in similar matchups before uh, where the Bulldogs weren't 
airing it out or anything crazy, but I mean, those scores got extremely, extremely lopsided. So um, I would assume uh, after Fresno State kind of establishes the line of scrimmage, they'll pull away rather quickly and midway through the third quarter, maybe a little later, should see some of the younger guys get some action, start to take advantage of those four games they can utilize without uh, losing that redshirt year. Yeah, and uh, and the key is going to be to try and keep as many of the starters healthy as possible in this upcoming game. So as soon as this game probably starts to get out of reach, uh, look for Tedford and the coaching staff to pull some uh, some of those key starters out of this game so that uh, we can keep them healthy for the next few games. Um, we almost forgot one group, and that's special teams. This one's kind of changed up a little bit. You know, Fresno State's special teams this year being led by John Baxter, um, and that is going to be a little bit different this season, Jackson. I'm I'm not used to seeing how uh, things have been since Baxter left. Now he's back, and hopefully we get to see that magic happen again. Yeah, and we learned uh, Saturday who the returners are going to be. We expected Nico Remigio to be one of them. He's listed as a starting punt returner. And they've got Eric Brooks, senior receiver, as the kick returner. Typically, you got two returners back there, and Remigio's the other one listed. So imagine both of those guys are going to get some, some opportunities to return kicks, but Remigio is going to be the guy on punt returns. And, of course, the Bulldogs have a new kicker. Cesar Silva's graduated, and Abraham Montano has uh, secured that spot as the starting kicker. He played in four games last year while redshirting and was five for five, had the perfect game at Oregon, which uh, was big to keep the Bulldogs in that one. So personnel-wise, that's what we've learned. But um, you know, bringing in Coach Baxter is a lot more than personnel. It's going to be a lot of scheme, a lot of the small things that might result in a blocked kick or a blocked punt or a return or a trick play here or there. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all uh, to see them break something out in the opening week and, and see what if uh, some of the things that they've implemented are going to be successful or not. All right. So how much money you want to put down that uh, the blogs are at least going to return a punt this, this season? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, not fair. Uh, I, I mean, just actually run with the ball, not just fair catching it the whole time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> are, are we expecting them to actually try and return one this season? <laughs> yeah, I sure think so. I asked Coach Baxter about that in camp, and uh, uh, he said every time they get the ball, they're going to try and do something with it. So uh, a much different uh, approach than what we've seen the last few years. And kick returns, too. I mean, they've tried to re- make do something on kick returns, and it seems like nothing has worked for a long time at Fresno State. So I would expect uh, Baxter to have something in place to get the Bulldogs more dangerous there. Uh, you know, he made some remarks in practice that you, you can expect a return sometimes in the early going of the season. So if, they, if they don't make one happen in the first few weeks, that he's going to have to rethink some things. So, uh, they, they've got expectations on, on making a couple big plays here just in the opening weeks. Oh, I bet because I, I'm I'm chomping at the bit uh, since uh, the last time the Bulldogs uh, special teams we're, we're exciting. Uh, I mean, the last few years, they've kind of gone into that really vanilla kind of a uh, special teams where they don't return. They try 
they, they try not to take chances and, and things like that. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to, to uh, Baxter coming in and kind of shaking things up and, and trying to get that excitement back every time the ball is kicked to the Bulldogs. Because if I, if I remember correctly, Jackson, there was one point where other teams dreaded kicking to the Bulldogs because there was always that anticipation that something big was going to happen on special teams. Uh, was it just me, or, or were you on that same page too back then? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, between guys like even Bernard Berrien to start off with and A.J. Jefferson down the road from there and Clifton Smith in between them and even post-Baxter with uh, Isaiah Burst as well, it just seemed like the Bulldogs always had uh, a dangerous weapon, kicks or punts. And uh, it's been absent for quite some time since then. Yeah, so I'm 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 looking forward to to getting things spiced up, so to speak, on uh, special teams, and uh, hopefully uh, they will be able to kind of go in and and do something there uh, to get things rolling. Uh, because when when they do something big on special teams, that stadium is rocking, and that's what I'm kind of looking forward to if uh, the Bulldogs can get things rolling on special teams. Now, in that that pretty much does it for our coverage of going into that first game of the season, Jackson. Now we kind of have to kind of look, uh, turn our attention to what's happening in the Mountain West as there is other games that are going to be happening this, this week too. This past week, there were uh, other Mountain West teams that did play, uh, and I'm going to run through those scores real quick. There was Hawaii versus Vanderbilt. They lost to Vanderbilt 63-10. to UNLV to Idaho State, who uh, who won fifty two to twenty one, Utah State over UConn thirty one twenty, Wyoming uh, lost to Illinois thirty eight to six, and then Nevada over New Mexico State uh, twenty three to twelve, and and so that kind of you know wraps up what happened last week as the opening week for some of these Mountain West teams. However, moving into this this week. Uh, not only is Fresno State playing on Thursday, but there's another team also joining them, and that's San Jose State, who are taking on Portland State, another one of those Division Two teams that, you know, theoretically, the Spartans should come away with a win there. And you do a lot of coverage of, of San Jose, and what do you see of that uh, coming out of that game? Yeah, you know, San Jose State's in a pretty good position going into the season where, you know, they last season was uh, a disappointing one for them, but I mean, in 2020, that weird COVID year, a lot of stuff played into that season. But the Spartans did go undefeated in the regular year, and they were led by that defense. And they've got like nine of those starters that are still on that roster, still in the starting lineup, and they've only added to that since then. So you kind of anticipate their defense is going to be pretty good, um, but. At the same time, on offense, they went out. They added Chevin Cordero at quarterback, the longtime starter at Hawaii. Uh, got out of there with all the, the chaos going on in his hometown uh, where UH is and made the move to San Jose State. That's going to immediately improve the Spartans' offense. And they went out and they got some transfers at receiver, too, namely Elijah Cooks from Nevada, one of those key targets for Carson uh, King, or Strong, excuse me, all these seasons. Um, so. I mean, they've got some things to work with uh, on the offensive as well. And I'm just curious with this Portland State game, they haven't, uh, covering San Jose State, they haven't had a lot of live. They didn't scrimmage this year. So it's always kind of a concern. A team's going to come out slow, not tackle well, even if it's an FCS opponent like Portland State. I think they'll win by quite a lot, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, it takes a little longer for them to pull away. 
Yeah, it's uh definitely should be one for uh for the Spartans to come away with a a win here against Portland State. So we'll have to kind of uh see how that one pans out cuz they're playing about the same time as the Bulldogs kickoff is scheduled for the same time and they'll be televised on NBC Sports uh Bay Area. So that is one to if if you are able to kind of watch both games, that's another another game that's happening at the same time as the Bulldogs uh, are taking on Cal Poly. Now, moving into Saturday, um, running through the other games that uh, are in the Mountain West, we've got, of course, we've got Air Force, who's taking on Northern Illinois. It seems like this is the, the week of... Uh, uh, a division two matchup, Jackson. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on right here. So we got air force who's taken on Northern Iowa. And of course uh, we're expecting air force to come out with a win, right? Jackson. Yeah. Well, one of the things about playing these FCS opponents is that um, you everyone kind of assumes it's a win when you see an FBS against an FCS team, there, but there, there are upsets upsets. That yeah. Happen. And, and not all FCS teams are equal. There's a lot of poor ones. I would lump Cal Poly in that group. Uh, but Northern Iowa is usually one of the better ones and not happening this weekend, but I believe North Dakota state is even an early favorite going to Arizona at 12 school. North Dakota state's just been dominant against F- uh, in the FCS realm and even beating FBS opponents. So there's a few schools you just don't want to schedule from the FCS and Northern Iowa. Not, they weren't fantastic last season, but they're traditionally one of the, upper team so uh, if this margin is not as lopsided uh, still don't take air force lightly <laughs> no it's uh air force is always difficult to play against especially with that triple option uh, one of the ugliest offenses i've ever seen but you know that's just my opinion i just don't care for it but teams struggle against that that type of an offense so it's going to be a little bit more uh of that going on against Northern Iowa. Now the next game after that, of course, is Hawaii uh, taking on Western Kentucky. And of course, another one of those, uh, I believe Western Kentucky is, is a, a lower tier team, right? For Western Kentucky, they've, they've moved up for a while now. They're about 15 years FBS, but they, they've made kind of the climb through, Conference USA and, and Sun Belt and, and all that. So, so, so they've been uh, around for a while, and I don't even notice. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, it, it's not a surprise because I was uh, doing just doing some research. I'm doing some previews for the Hawaii site, and uh, thought, okay, have Hawaii and Western Kentucky ever played each other? Answer: No. Like, all right. Well, maybe I can say what Western Kentucky's record is against <laughs> the Mountain West. I go through all twelve teams. The Western Kentucky has never in its FBS history played a Mountain West school, so. Uh, there's really no uh, no history to tie Western <laughs> Kentucky and Hawaii together. Um, but uh, the last few years, Western Kentucky's been pretty good. They've usually had a really good passing game. Um, they've also played Week Zero, and they played an FCS opponent, Austin P. And they only won by 11, and now they are 16-point road favorites at Hawaii. Uh, so that makes you realize what the, the Vegas odds makers think of Hawaii. oh lord help us uh hawaii is gonna uh, is gonna be one of those teams that uh no one's really gonna uh you know expect much out of them this season especially with all the turmoil that happened uh during the off season 
Um, next game on the schedule here is Colorado State heading to Ann Arbor, Michigan to take on the Wolverines. And that one pretty much says it all, right, Jackson? You got, <laughs> you got Colorado State going to the big house. That, that's a hard place to play in. Yeah, Michigan's number eight. They're 30-point favorites for this one. Um, I, I expect Colorado State to be better this year, even with the coaching change. Jay Norvell is going to be an upgrade for what they've had as their coaching staff for the last several seasons. And he brought in a lot of transfers and recruits, too, with him from Nevada. So they're not, you know, it's not uh, an empty cupboard for them by any means. But, yeah, starting off against Michigan is a, a tough one. And, Interesting fact about Michigan, uh, they've got two quarterbacks, and they're going to start one of them against the Rams, and next week they're going to start the other one against Hawaii, and then they're going to decide in week three what to do after that. So kind of an interesting approach by Coach Harbaugh with deciding their quarterback battle. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do at at Michigan. But uh, Colorado State heading to Michigan, if they can come away – with a respectable score here, then um, then Colorado State's going to look like a, a tough team in the Mountain West. If I if I'm if I'm correct there, Jackson, right? If, if they can if they can make some noise in Michigan, then uh, the the opinions of Colorado State are going to change drastically here in the Mountain West. Yeah, yeah, I, I think Colorado State is going to be a competitive this year. It's just this is about. A disaster. This is the worst case of matchup for them to open the season with. So, uh, yeah, I'm not expecting much out of them, but I do think by the time they get a couple games under their belt, they're not going to be a, a team that the Mountain Division is uh, looking forward to playing this year. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, you know, probably one of those that I'll have on my uh, on my radar to take a look at. Um, but another one of those that uh, will be interesting to watch is the next one where uh, Arizona travels to San Diego State to take on San Diego. uh, And this one um, could be some sort of an an interview for the Pac-12, don't you think, Jackson, for San Diego State? Yeah, that's the talk. uh, San Diego State, if the Pac-12 were to add uh, a team or teams, that the Aztecs are first on the list, and this one's really interesting, too, because it's the grand opening of Snapdragon Stadium there at San Diego State. They knocked down the old Qualcomm Stadium, built this new 35,000-seat, I believe, venue, a brand new for the Aztecs, and it finally opened. And they're going to get a Pac-12 team to come in. It's Arizona, but it is a Pac-12 team. Um, and I'm a little surprised. I mean, Arizona was uh, – they've been bad for a while. They were uh, pretty bad last year, too. And San Diego State was uh, top 25 for a while last season and uh, runner-ups in the Mountain West at the end of the year. But Aztecs only favored by six on their home turf in this new stadium. Uh, I think it should be a pretty cool atmosphere. I'm going to check it out for uh, the opening of that game. But it's as close as it's being projected against Arizona. And I have a hard time seeing the Aztecs (laughs) keeping pace with Fresno State by the time they play later on. Yeah, that's going to be uh, one to watch uh, just to kind of see what the, the Aztecs have uh, and uh, especially going up against uh, Arizona in uh, the Pac-12. Uh, but uh, it's one that I, I'm kind of curious to see just what the Aztecs have uh, as far as uh, weapons are concerned. So that's definitely going to be one on my radar here. Next one up, 
we've got Tulsa traveling to Wyoming to take on the Cowboys. And, uh, well, not much to say about this one. What do you got, Jackson? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I mean, as far as Wyoming goes, it was ugly in week zero. Uh, Their quarterback, he went five for 20 for 30 yards and a pick. (laughs) uh, It's going to be an ugly year for Wyoming. Um, The odds aren't wide on this game. Tulsa uh, is coming in and they're only favored by about a touchdown, but I got a tough time seeing the Cowboys pulling this one out. Tulsa has been pretty solid the last few years. Yeah, it's uh, I've, that's what I've got as well. Tulsa uh, should be able to kind of uh, have their way with Wyoming on this one. Uh, even though it is being played in Laramie, Wyoming, I think Tulsa is just going to be too strong for the, the Cowboys in this matchup. Uh, next one up on the record on the schedule here is Texas State. Uh, travels to Reno, Nevada to take on the Wolfpack of Nevada. And, um, uh, you know, this is a kind of a toss-up for me, Jackson, because I'm not really sure what Texas State has, but I sure as hell know what Nevada doesn't. <laughs> so uh, what, do you, what do you got on this one? Yeah, exactly. And the line is a pick right now, so you're right on the money. Um, and this one's frustrating for me, too, because, you know, I watched a little bit of that Nevada game. They beat New Mexico State, but it's hard to really take much away from that win. Want to see them play a, a legitimate team and see if they're going to be competitive or not. And you know, they play Texas State instead. They won four games last year. Not a great program. Still kind of new to FBS. And so uh, Nevada could be two and zero, and they could be probably the worst two and zero team in, in FBS football. Uh, but we won't know until. <laughs> Uh, a week or two down the road when they play some other opponent. Yeah, that one's going to be interesting, uh, to say the least. Uh, oh, and the new flash, they're playing Incarnate Word week three, so we won't know really anything <laughs> about the Wolfpack until oh. they go to Iowa on the 17th. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, that's going to be... Who scheduled that one, man? I, I, I don't know, but they they're, it's like they're, getting, uh, they're being given a, a gift here early on in the season because we don't really know what they're going to have. Maybe it's enough to make them feel good about themselves in order to get the the season rolling for them. So we'll we'll, we'll see what happens there on that one. Um, next game on this on the schedule here is, of course, Maine travels to New Albuquerque, New Mexico, to take on the the Lobos here. Um, and um, again, another one of those where I'm like. I really don't know what the matchup has got here, Jackson. So what do you got? Yeah, New Mexico, I mean, they should win this one. They got an FCS team at home. Um, The Lobos let me down a little bit last year. I thought they were going to be better than they were. They really showed some promise in that COVID year under Coach Danny Gonzalez and um, didn't quite back it up this past season. They've got some more transfers in. They've got another quarterback in from the Big 12, I believe, slated to start. So, um, one to keep an eye on, kind of like UNLV playing Idaho State last weekend. It's like if the Lobos uh, look really good, it's it's hard to take a whole lot from that, but would be a sign that they're probably going to be more closer to being competitive this year than not. Um, if it's close or if they lose, you know, pretty clear sign that it's going to be a rough year for the Lobos. Yeah, that's going to be uh, interesting to see, uh, to say the least, on that one. Um, I don't know. Not not one that I would, uh, 
you know, run out to go watch, of course. Uh, but the next game, uh, this is an intriguing matchup. You've got Utah State heading to Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa, I can't even say it, Tuscaloosa, <laughs> Alabama, uh, to take on the mighty Alabama Crimson Tide. And uh, I don't know, Jackson, do you think Utah State has anything for Alabama? Yeah, the Aggies are, are 41 and a half point underdogs. <laughs> the uh, defending Mountain West champions not being given much of a chance against Bama. Um, you know, it was kind of a lackluster performance to a degree by the Aggies last weekend opened up against UConn. So uh, not a lot of confidence. Uh, of course, not seriously thinking the Aggies are going to contest with Alabama on the road or anything, but um, you would have felt like the team that ended last year for UConn as the Mountain West champions and winning the LA Bowl against Oregon State, that that team might have put together a respectable showing at least, but feels like this group that after barely beating UConn is uh, not going to be uh, in for a, a pleasant time in Alabama on Saturday. No, if you want to see a high-scoring game, this is one that I recommend you turning on. Um, of course, a lopsided high-scoring game, uh, to say the least. Uh, I think Alabama is really going to have their way with Utah State, um, especially after seeing how how poorly Utah State did against uh, UConn, a team that uh, is really not a very strong one, uh, but only managed to win by by eleven points. So. If that's any indication of what's going to happen here uh, this upcoming week, uh, hold on to your britches because it may get ugly. Um, the next game, of course, this one I believe is going to be a little bit of a preview for what the Bulldogs are going to be able to uh, to do against Oregon State as Boise State makes the trip to Corvallis, Oregon to take on Oregon State, the Beavers. And this one's intriguing to me, Jackson, because we'll actually get to see uh, a team that we're familiar with go up against a team that we're going to face next week. Yeah, this one's huge. I mean, Oregon State and Boise State open the season. That's just an intriguing game in general. But Bulldogs have the Beavers in week two, the Broncos in week five. Going to learn a lot about these two teams in a hurry. And it's tough to really tell what you want to happen in this game, too, because, <laughs> I mean, if Oregon State opens the season with losses to the Broncos and to Fresno State, probably not going to do a whole lot for your resume, even beating a Pac-12 school. At the same time, you know you want Boise State uh, to be have as good of a record as possible when you face them in October. And you never know, you might face the Broncos again in a conference championship game that could be huge uh, in terms of your final resume with, with what you do on that last weekend in terms of Fresno State trying to get into a big bowl game at the end of the year uh, if they uh, achieve what we think they're capable of. So this is a an interesting one, you know. Um, do, you, do you want Oregon State to come in limping into Valley Children's Stadium in week two at 0 and 1? Or do you want them uh, to have some momentum and set up a big time game? And then at the same time, you've got Boise State licking their wounds a little bit. I don't know. Um, I'm just curious to see what happens here. And we may still be a little confused if the game's really close. <laughs> It ends in one of those games that could have gone either way. What, what did we really learn? Uh, I don't know. But I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. I'll be having my eyes on it for sure. Yeah, it's like pick your poison. Uh, you know, what do you want these yeah. two teams to do here? Uh, you know, I'm almost leaning. I want Oregon State to beat Boise, and then Boise uh, comes in here, and we beat Boise. 
uh, and then Boise wins out the rest of the season. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm okay with that. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, uh, I, I love watching um, Pac-12 teams lose. It's just, it's just the way I am. Um, so I don't know, but it's like, uh, man, <laughs> it, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Cause uh, I, I don't like Boise just as much as I don't like the pac 12. So I, I don't really know what to do here at this point. Um, but this should be a very intriguing matchup. If this, like you said, if this game ends up ending very close and, it, and they, uh, one team loses by like one or two points, we're going to be sitting here scratching our head going, what just happened? What did we learn? Absolutely nothing from this game. <laughs> and, uh, and, and try and go from there. But if Boise comes out and just blows Oregon State out of the water, they've pretty much built the blueprint on how to beat Oregon State and vice versa. So we'll have to see what happens in this game because um, one thing or another, it's going to give us a little bit of insight as to which direction Bulldogs are going to go when they face these two teams uh, on on the schedule. Um, I, I don't know about you, Jackson, but I am very perplexed about this upcoming game here. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way, and I'm really excited about Oregon State coming to Fresno for Week Two, and I'm excited to see how the Bulldogs fare on the blue turf in a few weeks down the road, but. Uh, yeah, not sure what I what I want to happen with this one. <laughs> hey, coin flip. That's all we can do. Um, but that is that is ultimately our coverage of what we have had for this opening week of Fresno State football. Um, lots going on, Jackson. Any other thoughts? Any other news that you want to break before we start wrapping this one up? Yeah, just, uh, stay tuned to Barkboard dot com. We've got. Um, our first game week coverage, we're getting into all that stuff right now, all of our featured stories, uh, our coverage from practice, our previews of the game, our uh, recruiting breakdowns that we do for the, the opposing matchups. That's a neat one for, to do for 24-7 sports. And um, we're recording this podcast Monday afternoon, but if you're listening, I would suggest if you're not a VIP member, to Tuesday night or sometime Wednesday, who uh, it's going to hint. We've got something in store, a nice big sale. <laughs> you're not going to want to miss <laughs> if you're not already on board. So uh, uh, I advise you highly, either late Tuesday night or sometime Wednesday, grab that VIP subscription with a huge discount. You can catch up on all the fall camp coverage. We've been, we've been covering it like no one else out there, daily reports, all sorts of interviews, uh, analysis, and a whole lot more. And uh, if you join... They'll be covered through the whole season and through recruiting and basketball. And uh, you'll be set all the way through next fall camp too. Uh, so big sale there. Don't want to miss that one. Yeah. So if, uh, if Jackson is hinting, there's going to be a big sale coming, then you better believe it's going to be a good one. So uh, typically this is your time of the year where you want to take advantage of that because it will lock you in for majority of the season. So I'm, I'm anticipating it's going to be one of those kinds of sales. So, uh, you know, make sure you uh, watch out for that. And uh, trust me, you will not be disappointed by the coverage at thebarkboard.com. And um, I believe you get a, a couple of perks when you do become a member, right, Jackson? 
Yeah, so we do have a loyalty perk. Um, so if you're on one of our sale prices, you don't get the perk until after <laughs> you decide to, that you enjoy your experience and you want to renew at the full price. But for all of our current uh, subscribers that are not on promotional prices, and then for others, once they are done with the sale, uh, you do get um, Paramount Plus included for free in your subscription. Um, I mean, that's uh, about as much as the bark board at full price anyway, just package free into your vip subscription um so i mean that's a pretty sweet perk if you ask me uh, a lot of uh, good shows to watch on there and some exclusives by paramount and cbs that are available there and and as well um you also get access not just to the bark board but you can read all the vip content on all the 24 7 sports sites so and peek in uh the next couple of weeks on the usc side and the oregon state side and read their insider stuff and get a feel for what's going on and uh you know for me uh, <laughs> i don't want to pick on anyone but i know the first thing i did saturday afternoon was i dialed my my internet browser into the nebraska site wanted to see all the uh, the complaints about scott frost and <laughs> Cornhuskers losing another close one so uh, i think a lot of fans uh, enjoy peeking in on other boards uh, when times are, are good or bad <laughs> whenever there's something topical and uh, if you're a VIP member I get even more access to the stories and uh, some of the conversations going on those other sites yeah you kind of get uh, you kind of get an inside scoop as to how that fan base is feeling when you're able to go to their fan boards and kind of gauge what's going on there uh, and typically it's very entertaining um i've seen it happen on our own very our very own board sometimes so uh if, if you know if that's any indication of how things go when it's on other boards it's even funnier um so uh yeah uh, all i can say is if you were on the fence about getting paramount plus as one of your streaming services if you're anything like me, I've got just about every streaming service under the sun. So if you're going to get Paramount Plus anyways, you might as well pay for our subscription and get a bonus. You're getting Paramount Plus, which you wanted anyways, and now you're getting all of our coverage as well at the Barkboard. So it is something that you really should think about, and it's a great thing to have because if you're a diehard Bulldog fan, there's no news like getting your news from uh, thebarkboard.com where generally we have uh, information uh, way sooner than some of the news outlets out there. So that being said, uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us. And if you're looking for Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Red Wave Report. You can also go head over to our Facebook page and give it a like. Just look for the barkboard.com and uh, you'll see all of our community there. And as always, if you haven't done so already, head over to the barkboard.com where we have not only a free, not only a premium subscription uh, board, but we also have a free board for some of those who just want to go over there and hang out and talk things through. So, but I'm telling you, the premium board is the one you want to be on because that's where all the information is being shared. So I would like to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.